Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. We get ourselves to do. How many of you have ever like felt coerced to be generous? It just doesn't work, does it? It's exactly the same as when I tell my kids to share. Right? Can I get them to share? Yeah, I can, I can make them do a lot of things, right? But like when I get them to share and then I look, at, you know, I look at their face, I'm like, wow, you're very angry right now. Like that did not come from a heartfelt place. <laughs> make this come from a heartfelt place, you know? And so it's funny when it comes to like things like generosity, because if you've ever felt like, oh, I guess I need to be generous now, it actually takes the fun away from it, doesn't it? It takes the fun away from it. Rather, when Jesus talks about the way we are to see, the way we are to understand the kingdom lens through which we view everything we've been given, um, what he's trying to do is not to coerce us into something, but he wants to free us up into a new way of living. His goal for us is freedom into a new way of life, and that is good news for all of us here today. So, the eye is the lamp of the body. How in the heck is that have anything to do with money? Here's, here's what's important to know. The people that Jesus was speaking to had a certain body of knowledge, okay? So when Jesus would make references, they're reflecting based on their upbringing uh, with the Torah and the scriptures and, and first mentions all throughout the Bible. And so if they were listening to him, they're not thinking about the physical eye. They're thinking about something different. <clears throat> and here's the passage where it comes from. Um, in Deuteronomy 15, we come into this, this place where, where God is laying out a new way for the people of God, the recently liberated Israelites, to live. And he's, he's showing them a, a new way to conduct themselves. And, and part of that way of living was that every seven years, uh, he commanded them to release each other of debt. Are you guys familiar with that? You can read all about this, Deuteronomy 15. He would call them to release each other of debt. And what he would say is like, listen, among you, you know, with, with the poor among you, this new way of life, I want you to, to bring this new practice into this new way of life where every seven years, if somebody owes you something, they are now not going to owe you anything, okay? And it, it, it continues, though, but it says, and, and so you can imagine if, if you were living, like if you, if somebody owed you something, <clears throat> things get a little weird at about year six because you see year seven kind of coming. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and it, say somebody comes to you about year, you know, year six and a half, it says, oh, dude, I need some money. I'm like, oh, my gosh, can you ask me again in like six months? You know, let's wait for the cycle to start over because I don't want to get hosed here, right? And this is, and so God actually addresses this. He, it's funny because he actually knew this was coming. Um, I want to actually, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this from the, the whole passage. I was going to read just a, a small part, but this is so good. Um, Deuteronomy 15 
If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns with your land that the Lord God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him, this, lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. And here's what it says. Take care lest there be any unworthy thought in your heart and you say, the seventh year, the year of release is near. And your eye look grudgingly. Okay? On your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry to the Lord against you, and you be guilty of sin. You shall give him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him, because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all the work and all that you undertake. For there never will cease to be poor in the land. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in the land. So I don't know if you caught this, but in this passage, he says, be careful on that seven year if there's an unworthy thought that comes to your mind or to your heart. And you say, the seventh year, the year of release is near. And it says, and your eye look grudgingly. King James Version really nails it. It says, and thine eye be evil against thy poor brother. Okay, so what's, what's actually going on here? So when Jesus comes to them and says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So he's talking about treasure. He's talking about where are you laying up your treasures? Are you putting it just all in these, these things that are really, they're going to corrupt? Or are you storing up treasure in eternal things, being attuned to the impulse of the Spirit of God and sowing according to where the Spirit of God tells you to sow? That's what he's saying. And then he moves on. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body, right? The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And so in this particular passage, the healthy eye has to do with the the person who guards their heart against thoughts, who see opportunities for need, and it starts to shrivel. It starts to shrink back. They see only opportunities for things to be taken, not opportunities for things to be given. So the eye that we've been given, he says a healthy eye is the ability to, to experience life through the, to, through the lens of abundance, whereas, whereas the dark eye, the, ev- the evil eye, is, is like, is, you, you can almost see it, like the squinty eye. I am uncertain of everything out here. I'm, I'm not sure if there's enough to go around. So I have to guard what I have. I have to reserve. I have to hold back from myself of what I have because I don't know. I am not certain that if I give, um, that if I give to this need, if I give to my brother who is in need, I'm not certain um, that, that, that there's going to be enough that it's going to come back to me. And so what Jesus is saying, the way that we see, the way that we see, if it's true that our eye is the lamp, the way that we experience abundance and scarcity has everything to do with the light and the darkness that, that affects our entire life, our entire body, okay? So why is, why is this so important that God commanded them to pay attention to their eye? You know, don't let your eye look begrudgingly because he wanted them to stay connected to their story. They were just liberated from hundreds of years of slavery from an oppressor who 
existed to, to stockpile. The whole system in Egypt was about building an empire based on what can we produce for ourselves and hoard for ourselves and to not give. And as, as, as God in his strong hand would liberate his people from the hand of Egypt and bring them into a new way of life, he had them install this new practice of forgiving debt and being generous towards one another. Why? Because he wanted them to, remind, he wanted them to remember this new type of people that they were called to be, that they were not to give themselves to where they had come from, but they had been rescued from that type of, of lifestyle so they could be brought into a new land full of abundance. And so that as they practiced that towards each other, as every time they were generous, every time the seventh year came around, they were retelling the story that the mighty hand of God liberated us from small thinking and scarcity thinking way back there, and we don't have to do that anymore. That was part of their story. And what he's saying in this passage is like, listen, if a brother comes to you and you withhold from him and he cries out to me, I'm going to hear him. Why? Because you were not designed to become a new kind of oppressor towards your brother. You've been liberated from Pharaoh. You've been liberated from that. You are, you are now given to a new way of thinking that you, you don't, just like we were singing, you lack no good thing as the people of God. Can you guys kind of just hear that and enter into the spirit of that? And, and so what happens then as Jesus starts talking about this new way of seeing, he says that, that I, if, if, if you have the ability to look out and see the abundance of God, every day of your life and see the infinite possibilities of heaven. Yeah, there's certain things that are limited, like property or, you know, or there's certain things on this planet that might have, you know, boundaries to them. But when it comes to the resources of heaven, the people of God are called to live knowing that we have access to an infinite supply of joy, an infinite supply of peace, an infinite supply of of our needs being taken care of in Christ, right? And he's saying, like, if you can live that way, it will affect every part of your body. And what he means by body, your life. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that generous people, there seems to be, like, there seems to be a correlation between generosity and joy? Have you noticed that? Because when you're not scared of losing, when you know that I'm not losing, I'm sowing. And God won't be mocked. And he won't be taken advantage of, right? He sees, he sees what's happening. When we have the ability to do that, it has a way to affect our relationships. It affects the way we think of our work. It affects the way we think of our family. It affects our relationship with God all around. Why? Because it releases us from slavery, that's the point. It releases us from slavery. Why do we give? Because we remind ourselves that we are a people that used to be enslaved by these things, and we're no longer enslaved because we're given to a God of abundance. This is the God that we serve. And so with joy in our hearts, 
Every time we bring a meal, every time we give a gift, every time we even bring our tithes and offerings, it's this declaration that I am no longer a slave to this oppressive system built on scarcity and built on not enough. I am now given, I am a son and daughter of the Most High God, and there are no bounds to his love and his provision in my life. This is, this is what we get to do. And, and then, but, you know, on the other side, what happens, though, is when we, when we get sucked into these cultural lies of fear, and you guys, you guys know what this feels like. I know what this feels like. When we get sucked into these cultural lies, these, these lies of, of fear, and our eyes begin to squint a little bit. And we begin to, you know, it's good to practice simplicity, right? It's good to practice simplicity in our lives, I believe, but at a certain point, that actually leads to this unhealthy sense of, you know, frugality where, where, where sometimes the frugality turns into just stinginess. Like, I'm not sure. I don't want to give to that. What he's saying is, listen, when our eyes begin to squint, what happens is it starts to affect our whole body as well. And we start to become unsure really uncertain, unsure. Do you guys know what that feels like? When you're just, I'm just really unsure about today. I'm really unsure about what this is going to look like. I cannot give myself. I'm not sure there's enough for me to give the best of what I have because I don't know, I don't know that it'll be returned. And Jesus is saying, listen, that, that the way you see, the way you see, adjust the brightness that happens that is actually displayed in your own being. And he's saying, listen, I'm calling you to something different. You don't have to be, you, money doesn't have to be your master. It doesn't have to be. You can't be devoted to two different people. Be devoted to me, right? And I, and I believe there's a message of freedom in all of this because I think some of us still buy into the lie of like, listen, I, I love generosity, but I, I need to wait till I have enough to be generous, Right? I need to wait till like I don't feel like I have enough to be generous, and I would like to propose to you um, that that feeling is is a myth, and it will continue to shift. It will continue to change. There is no point in time where you feel like you have enough to be generous. Have you ever, have you ever thought that? Like once I get the promotion, once I get this new job, once we move here, once we decrease this, once we get over here, then I can be generous. I'm just telling you, that carrot moves every day, okay? You wake up the next day, it's going to be somewhere else. And, and the heart of God, um, the heart of God for us here today is to show us, listen, um, you don't have to wait for something in hap- to happen in order to start seeing through a new eye and through a new way that you can begin to create a shift as you trust the God of abundance in your life. You can be able to create a shift and continue to give the best of who you are. And don't you love that about Jesus, that he never asks us to do something that he hasn't done for us first. For God so loved the world that he, come on, for God so loved the world that he, that he gave Generosity is the fountainhead of the gospel. That the God who is overflowing, Father, Son, and Spirit, before all any of the cosmos came into being, the love and the joy 
And the dream of God was so overflowing that he couldn't help but to create from a place of generosity. And then when we screwed it all up, God so loved the world that he, he gave. He gave himself. He gave himself to us. And he continues to give, does he not? He's continuing to give himself to us. And in Ephesians 5, we see another picture of Jesus. Why do we give to, even to the church? Why do we bring tithes and offerings? Is it because, because if we don't, God's going to get really mad at us? No, because Jesus loves the church. Hopefully that's not new news to any of you. He loves the church. Ephesians 5 says, Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So like he gave the best of who he was for the community of saints. And so, and so we give from this place of, of, of Jesus. Like I have been a recipient of such a great gift from you. And Jesus, we want our lives to continue to be full of light. So help us to see in a new way. Help us to see in a new eye. Not an eye full of darkness, but an eye full of light. Yeah. And so here's, here's what I believe maybe is the blessing for us for today. I believe that for a lot of us, what loosens the grip of anxiety, what loosens the grip of fear is something done in outrageous, radical generosity. And some of you this week, your declaration that the enemy has been defeated and there's a God who has liberated you from an oppressor is to go do something crazy generous and maybe even secretive for somebody in your life. I was hoping to get maybe a little bit more out of that one. (laughs) I, I think the nail in the coffin of your shackles of slavery is to do something outrageously generous. And in doing so, you're declaring, I have a God who is more than enough. I am not a slave to what I've been given. You do not work nine to five every day or whatever you do because you're a slave to your job. You are acknowledging that your source is Christ who is from above. He's orchestrated every moment of your life And I know sometimes the need feels so great, doesn't it? Sometimes in our lives, the need feels so great. And I I don't want to come across insensitive. For some of you are in in those places of time, in those places of life where there's bills that you have to pay or things that you have. And it's like, man, I don't know what to do with any of those things. But I, I will, I will echo what Paul is saying even to the Galatians. Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. He will not be mocked. And what you sow in the Spirit. So, so when he's talking about sowing and reaping, he's saying, listen, you can, you can sow seeds according to the Spirit of God or you can sow seeds according to the flesh. What does it mean? Like, listen, you can pay attention to either your fleshly impulses or you can t- pay attention to your spiritual impulses. But when you, when you pay attention to the Spirit of God inside of you, and you become spiritually responsive to, to what God is bringing up in your life, those seeds are eternal seeds. 
And I know sometimes that looks like you're throwing something away or maybe you don't see anything. That's the whole point of sowing and reaping. You, you, when you plant a seed in your garden, you don't see it for a long time. But listen to me. The word of God to you today is this. God will not be mocked. What you sow in the spirit, you will reap a harvest for. And God promises provision. God promises to take care of you just as the birds in the sky. And I love that Jesus, even after he talks about all this, will continue talking about, so do not be anxious. Do not worry. I clothe the the flowers in the field. I take care of every bit of seed for the birds of the air. How much more? How much more for the sons and daughters of God most high? Don't you love Jesus? This is good news for us here today. Can we stand here together? Now, I want to pray for us here today because I, I do believe I do believe that as the people of God liberated in a new way, that, that, that as, as we remind ourselves of who we are, he sometimes leads us to do things to align with that. And just like he gave the Israelites practices to remind them of who they were, like the Sabbath and like forgiving of debts, he also wants us to do things that remind us of our own story. And remind, remind ourselves that we are sons and daughters of God. So if you would like to walk in freedom and like, would like the chains of fear to fall off, I just, I just would even invite you to just put your hands out. If, if you're really into that, you can throw them up in the air. That's totally fine. If you're really, really into that, you can start jumping if you want. I don't care. But I want to pray for us as, as the people of God, as the household of faith, and bless bless you guys. So God, I thank you today that we are a people, that we were once part of a kingdom of darkness, but you have brought us into the kingdom of marvelous light. And I thank you here today, Jesus, that we are, uh, we have been, we have received the gift of heaven. We thank you, Jesus, that you so loved, you so loved us, that you came to us and you died for us, that you gave yourself to us. And today, Lord God, I thank you that generosity is in our bloodstream. It is in our DNA because you have implanted it there. And I thank you that as we are generous, we are loosening the chains of fear. And I thank you, God, that even today, shackles of fear will fall off. I thank you for eyes to see abundance. Eyes to see abundance. I thank you for eyes full of light here today, Lord God, that we get to partner with the eternal purposes of heaven. We thank you, God, that you will not be mocked, that your word always stands, and that all of your promises are yes and amen in Christ. We give ourselves to you. We surrender ourselves to you, Lord Jesus. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for testimonies and miracles of breakthrough as we declare we are sons and daughters of the God who is more than enough today. Come on, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ah, it's good to be alive. It's really good to be alive. Hey, here's what we're going to do. After, at the end of every service, we invite our ministry team to come forward. And uh, I want to invite them to do that now. If you're here today, you need prayer for anything. Um, You want to press even deeper. You need prayer.